everybody. This is our story. Let's give it up for our, our worship band. Give it up for a great, great job. Well, I'm so glad you joined us today because we are beginning a brand new journey through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, at the same time, we're going to launch a new series called Kingdom Come. Everybody say Kingdom Come. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Pastor Omar is going to be leading us in, in that in the weeks to come. By the way, hasn't Pastor Omar been doing an amazing, powerful job leading us? Well, I want to jump right into Mark today by reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles online in our campuses, you follow along as I begin reading at Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says the beginning of the good news. Boy, we need some good news, don't we? Of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now listen to verse 14. Jesus came to Galilee preaching. Everybody say preaching. Yeah, and what was he preaching about? Preaching the kingdom of God. Folks, if I have a favorite subject that I love to preach on, it is the coming kingdom of God. And as you're going to see today, it was also a favorite of Jesus. Well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set things up by sharing this with you. Since I retired as lead pastor at Christ Fellowship, God has given me sort of a new assignment and that new assignment is to teach preaching at Grace Theological Seminary. Oh, yeah. Folks, I love it. And let me tell you why. You see, for a lot of pastors, there is a gap between the vision that they have for their church and the essential communication skills to bridge the gap to that vision. And the effect of not being able to bridge that gap not only leads to unfulfilled vision, but for a lot of pastors, a lot of pastors, it leads to low-level depression, despair. And so my assignment, my task, is to try to build their preaching skills so that they can cast effective vision to their church. Now, I want you to follow me here. Because few preachers had the ability to cast vision and, and the communication skills, the preaching skills, to build a bridge to that vision any more, any more than Dr. Martin Luther King. Folks, I don't have to tell you that as a preacher, he incessantly preached, I have a what? Yeah, I have a dream. Put another way, I have a vision. Again, vision is the ability to see the way things are and then to be able to see the way they could be. Vision is the ability to see the way things are and then to envision in your mind the way they could be changed. And what was Dr. King's vision? His vision was to change the world racially so that blacks and whites and Jews and peoples of all colors and cultures would love one another and make this world a better world. 
But folks, here's my point. That vision dominated Dr. King's preaching. That vision drove his preaching. It was centric to every sermon he brought in his public ministry. In fact, I want you to take a look. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring that over to the gospel of Mark because, because what an image of the preaching of Jesus. And by that, I mean just like Dr. King had a vision to change the world racially. And just like that vision drove his preaching, just like that, just like that. Listen, Jesus had a vision to change the world. And as you're going to see, that vision drove his preaching. But listen, Jesus' vision was not just to change the world racially. His vision was to change the world radically. And by that, I mean literally to alter the physics of the planet and to alter you and me physiologically and emotionally so that the world wouldn't just be a better place, but so the world would be a perfect place, a perfect world. And let me hasten to add, Jesus' vision was not what just could be. His vision was what will be. Because in the latter days, he will re-perfect this world. By the way, both Jesus and God called that re-perfected world the kingdom. To be brought in in the latter days. Now, folks, with all of that in mind, here's my proposition today. The kingdom that will come in those days gives us hope in these days. Let me say that again. The kingdom that will come in the latter days, listen, listen, gives us joy and peace and even excitement in days like these. You might be saying, Rick, how could the kingdom possibly give us excitement in days like this? And what do you even mean by the kingdom? And why does the kingdom matter? Why should that matter to me in days like these? And if it does matter, this kingdom, where do I fit into it? Well, folks, we're going to find out today as we unpack and begin the study of the gospel of Mark. We're going to have a little Bible study today. Is that okay? You have a little Bible study? All right. Yeah. So we're going to have a Bible study. I want to give you two thoughts about the kingdom. So if you're filling in the blanks or your computer, your paper, whatever, two thoughts about the kingdom. I want to change your mind today about the way you view things that are happening in our world. I want to change your mind. We need a changed mind, don't we? So with that in mind, two things about the kingdom. The kingdom was and is Jesus' great priority. In fact, write this down as A under that. 
Jesus' first sermon to the world was all about the kingdom. His first sermon. With that in mind, let's look at it, beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the good news. And what was he preaching about? Yeah, the kingdom of God, verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is what? At hand. Now, would you stop there? Because again, this was Jesus' first sermon to us, and it was all about the kingdom. Mind you, Jesus could have preached on a host of other theological matters. He could have gave his first sermon on the love of God. The mercy of God, the salvation of God, the power of God, but he didn't. His first sermon was all about the kingdom of God. And as you're going to see, folks, listen, listen, that message of the kingdom drove his preaching, and it was the priority of his preaching from start to finish. And listen, here's why the kingdom matters so much to God. Write this down as B. The kingdom of God, this is so important, the kingdom of God is the great goal towards which all the purposes and plans of God are reaching. Everybody heads up. Because from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation chapter 22, this is where God is driving history. This is what God is up to, the kingdom, the kingdom coming. Now, mind you, God's up to a host of other things in our world today, the salvation of people, the spread of the gospel. But let me tell you, the kingdom of God is the end game of all of it. This is where God is pushing everything to set up the kingdom of God on the earth, to establish Jesus as the king of kings in that kingdom. That is where God is driving everything, and the kingdom of God, make no mistake about it, is the great priority of God. Which is why, write this down as one, two, and three, under B, the kingdom was the priority of the Christmas angel. Go back to Christmas. Luke chapter 1. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and his, everybody say it with me. Yeah, his kingdom will never end. That angel's priority message was this baby is the one who will usher in the never-ending kingdom of God. Not only was it the priority of that angel, write this down as number two, the kingdom is the priority of our lives. This is what we ought to be thinking about all the time. Jesus put it this way. He said to us, but seek first, yeah, not second, not third, but seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness. You say, meaning what? Meaning what we ought to be longing for, what we ought to be striving for, what we ought to have a passion for is the kingdom of God to come. In fact, write this down as number three. The kingdom is to be the priority of our prayers. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, this then is how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what is to be our first prayer request? Here it is. Give me what I want. Help me to make it through the day. Now, the first prayer that we ought to pray every morning, God, thy what? Thy kingdom come. Because the kingdom is such a, going to be such a game changer. Back to Jesus. Because the coming kingdom was the priority of Jesus preaching before he was crucified. And it was still the priority of his preaching when he rose from the dead. In fact, listen to Acts chapter 1 verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the love of God. I'm sorry. He spoke about the salvation of God. He spoke about the what? Yeah, the kingdom of God. So, folks, that raises the question, doesn't it? What is the kingdom of God? Well, simply put, here it is. Write this down. It's big number two. The kingdom will be a world re-perfected, a re-perfected planet, a re-perfected earth. Listen to Matthew 6 again. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Watch this. Your kingdom come. And what is the kingdom? Your will be done on the earth as it is, where? Yeah, in heaven. In other words, what is the kingdom? Listen, this is so important for us to know. The kingdom will be a future time on the earth when God's will will be done on the earth just like it is, where? Yeah, in heaven. And folks, axiomatically, that means a perfect world. A perfect world. In other words, just like heaven is a perfect world, the kingdom will be a reperfected earth. So, what do you mean, reperfected? Well, write this down as A under number two. The Garden of Eden was the original kingdom of God on the earth. And by that I mean, folks, the Garden of Eden was a perfect world. Perfect. In fact, the defining characteristics of the Garden of Eden was sustainable happiness, sustainable joy, sustainable peace, sustainable health, sustainable life. Non-existent were pain and sorrow and depression and despair, and sadness, and coronavirus, and yeah, and death. 
Life was created then. It was engineered then to last forever. Do you realize Adam and Eve ought to be alive today? And every other person who has ever lived is supposed to be alive today. You say, well, what happened? Well, God warned Adam and Eve that if they sinned, that it would alter multiple physical laws. And the altering of those laws of physics would trigger suffering and pain and disease and death. And God warned them about it, but they sinned anyway. And paradise was lost in Genesis 3, third third chapter in the Bible. The kingdom of God on the earth was lost. But folks, here's the good news. Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, the plans and the purposes of God are reaching today and have been reaching towards the kingdom of God, towards a re-perfected planet That's the goal of God. That's the end game for God. And by the way, here's a newsflash. You've got to write this down as B. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of pastors, theologians don't even get this. So write this down as B. This is so important. When Jesus came to earth the first time, he offered the kingdom. He offered the kingdom. This is fascinating. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He said to those people in that day, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God, watch this, is what? Is at hand. Everybody heads up because that phrase is at hand is a translation of the Greek word ingidzo. And ingidzo is like saying something's at the door. It's like saying something's knocking at your door. And what Jesus was saying is, is I am making a legitimate offer here to bring in the kingdom of God, to take us back to Genesis 1 and 2, to take us back to paradise. He was making a legitimate offer to establish the kingdom of God with one condition, only one, receive the king. In other words, if you want the kingdom, you have to receive the king of the kingdom. You can't have the kingdom without having the king. Now, folks, this this could have been a world changer because had the people of that day received Christ as king, he would have ushered in the kingdom, which means we right now would be living in the kingdom. We would be living right now in a world where there's no sin, no death, no hate, no murder, No depression, no coronavirus, no disease, no death. We should be living in that world. And we would be living in that world right now had they received the king. And don't get me wrong. Jesus still would have been crucified by the Romans. They still would have crucified him. He would have shed his blood for the remission of our sins. That folks, when he rose from the dead on the third day, he would have set up the kingdom of God. Which is why, which is why the disciples ask him in, uh, in Acts chapter 6, they, they gathered around him and said, are you at this time going to bring in the kingdom? In other words, after the resurrection, the disciples were saying, is this it? Are you going res- to do it now? They were expecting it. 
but he didn't set it up. And why did he not set it up? Because he had been rejected as the king, right? And let's go back to the, let's go back to the cross. Let's go back to the trial before Pilate. Listen to, listen to the narrative, John chapter 19. It was the day of preparation of Passover. It was about noon. Here is your, here is your king, Pilate said. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate? Pilate said, you want, are you kidding? He's saying you want me to crucify your king? But they shouted, shouted, they answered, we have no king but Caesar. We will not have that man to rule over us. They rejected the king of the kingdom. And what was Jesus' response? Listen to Matthew 21. Jesus said to them, to those who had rejected him, have you never read the scriptures? The stone, the builders, what? Yeah, rejected has become the cornerstone. Therefore, in other words, because you have rejected the king, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people, to a generation producing the fruits. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I offered you the kingdom of God. You rejected the king, so now the kingdom of God is taken away from you. You had it. It was at hand. You rejected the king, but it will be given to a generation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And who is the generation that will bring forth the fruits thereof? The generation alive at the second coming of Christ. In fact, write this down to C. Jesus will establish the kingdom. At his second coming. Didn't do it at his first coming. It was postponed. It was forfeited. Listen to Revelation 11, 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Don't you love that? That's where everything's headed. It will happen at the second coming. Can I read the second coming to you? Can I take a moment? It'll take a while. It's kind of long. But it's amazing. Here's what it's going to look like. Revelation 19. I saw heaven standing open. This is seeing it from earth. The heavens will roll back like a scroll. And then... And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Who is that? It's Jesus. With justice, he judges and wages war. This is Christ attacking Satan and the Antichrist at his second coming to take back control of his planet, our planet. Verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. 
The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He comes back to the earth. And what does he do with the earth when he gets back? Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven, literally a new universe and a new what? New earth. Why? For the first earth, heaven and first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Can't wait for that. Amen. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Death, sorrow, pain, hate, suffering, depression, all of that will be passe. We won't even remember it. And he was seated on the throne, said, I'm making everything, what? New, including our bodies, which will last forever. Folks, we're not going to spend heaven or spend eternity in heaven in a body, I mean, in a, in a spirit like a ghost floating around on a, crown, on a cloud. You're eventually coming back to a newly created earth, the kingdom of God. That is our great hope. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is a re-perfected earth. Why does it matter to you? Because the kingdom of God is at hand again, folks. You know, a lot of people are worried about our country, worried about our, our, our world. In fact, a lot of them have been asking me, Rick, how do you feel about the trajectory of, of the world, of, of our country? How do you feel about that? Listen, I get it. I mean, we have a, a, a global plague worldwide for the first time ever. You marry that to the potential of another one that could come. We look at the, 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 the spread of socialism, in, not only in our country, but in the world. The spread of this idea of globalism in our world. The reach of Nations like Russia, the reach of China, the antichrist fervor that is in the media, that is in academia, that is in certain political platforms, the, the surrender, this desire to surrender freedom for free stuff. People ask me, Rick, how do you feel about all that? Let me tell you how I feel about it. I love it. I love it. In fact, I get excited when I see it. <laughs> Because for one thing, folks, it reaffirms my confidence in the Word of God. Because let me tell you, these are the exact markers. It's hard to imagine. These are the exact markers that Jesus said would signal that the kingdom of God was once again at hand. The rise of globalism, a technology now that can mark every one of us with a number, track us, and determine who can buy and who can sell. These are the exact markers 
Jesus said would lead to the rise of the Antichrist, he would be able to take over all of that and take over the world. And at some point, when he takes over, in the tribulation it's called, he will make a decision to attack Israel. And that'll be a mistake. That's God's chosen nation. We're God's chosen people. As Christians, that's his chosen nation. He said, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who hit you. He will make a decision to attack Israel. He'll say, Israel's a problem. Has been. Let's get rid of her. And as all of these nations attack Israel in concert, Christ will begin to make his descent. And the Antichrist will say, Israel's not our problem. He's our problem. And they will attack Christ. And he will obliterate them, the Bible says, with the sheer brightness of his coming. He will destroy them once and forever. And God will take back, Jesus will take back control of this earth. And he will establish the kingdom of God. Listen, that's where everything is going. That's where it's marching. And so when we see these things happening today, what do we do? Freak out? Get worried? No, we get excited because it means the kingdom of God is near at hand. So what is the kingdom? A reperfected world. Why does it matter to you and me? Because it's at hand once again. Now, one more question I ask at the beginning. Where do you fit in? Where do you fit into this? Here's where you fit in. Write this down as one and two. got to hurry. Be a voice for the king. Be a voice for the king. Listen to chapter 1. This is John the Baptist. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. That's John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and John came. I love it. John stepped up in a wilderness of evil and became a voice for the king. Listen, that's what we should be stepping up our efforts. This is not a time to freak out. This is not a time to be a voice for, for, for politics. I'm not against politicians. I thank God for those who serve. But that's not our agenda. Our agenda is to be a voice for the king and to tell people about the kingdom that is coming. There's a lot of people who don't know about the king. They don't have an idea about the kingdom of God. We're to be a voice for them. Listen, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. We're no good if we're freaked out. But of love and of power and of a sound mind, what this world needs is people with sound minds. Amen? So become a voice. I love the way Pastor Omar keeps stepping up our efforts to be a more powerful voice in this world. And then finally, write this down as two. How do you fit in? Become a citizen of the kingdom. In other words, if you're not in the kingdom, become a citizen of the kingdom. You say, Rick, how do I do that? Jesus left no ambiguity about it. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter 1. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. How do you get into it? Repent and believe in the gospel. 
How do you get into the kingdom? Repent. That's the Greek word metanoia. It literally means to change, change direction, change your mind. In other words, you're going this way in life. You're going the way of the world. Just simply turn and follow Christ. Believe in him, follow him, receive him as your savior. I love what the Bible says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Translation, will become a citizen of the kingdom. How do you get saved? How do you become a citizen? How do you receive this hope of the coming kingdom of God? How do you get into that? You don't have to become religious. In fact, God doesn't want you to become religious. He wants to have a relationship with you. You simply call out to him and ask him to save you. So why don't you do that today? Wherever you may be, here at one of our campuses, watching online, what a, what a day to change your direction and to become a part of God's kingdom, of God's world. Wouldn't it be amazing? Hey, you're, you're in the kingdom, the future. Hey, when did you, when did you become a citizen? <laughs> oh, it's the beginning of 2021. I received the king. What a day for you to do that. Amen. You'll know the day. January what? Third, January 3rd. What a day. So if you want to do that, let's bow our heads. Believers, pray for those who may be making that decision right now. God's goal for you if you're a believer is to stay calm and carry on. <laughs> stay calm. And carry, everybody say, stay calm. <laughs> carry on. Stay calm. Carry on. But if you're not a Christian, what God wants for you is you to call out to him. So why don't you do that? If you're not a believer, pray this prayer. Let me lead you in it. You pray this to God, not to me. Heavenly Father, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died to pay the price for my sins right now I turn from following my own path and I turn to follow Christ forgive me of my sins and make me a child of yours and I ask you to give me eternal life I ask you to make me a citizen of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Christ Fellowship right now at all of our campuses. Are you glad for all of those who receive the king? Let them know it. Yes. And by the way, if you receive the king today, if you did this online, let another believer know what you did. Tell them that you made that decision. They'll want to pray for you and celebrate with you. Well, I'm going to ask all of our campus pastors to come now and to lead us in dismissal. Christ Fellowship, I love you all. Happy New Year. God bless you.